Yeah, hooray, hurrah. Once again, the smartest man in the world, Proofcast, takes to the ether. This time from the salubrious confines of the Porpoise of Fruititude, located somewhere in Lower California. Tied for third for most little Richard played in the last year. <laughs> Only coming in ahead of us was the Little Richard podcast and the Richard Little podcast. Really? The Big Dick Pinnaman Cod Pod Codfast finished fourth. <laughs> the Quasar of Rock, Little Richard. My name's Greg. This is my wife, Jennifer. Hello. Hi, how are you? Pretty good, thank you. Tell us uh, again why we're... What? Whoa, we were, we were listening to this song to celebrate Charles Connor, the drummer for Little Richard, who swirled away at 86. He was a phenomenal drummer. He was a drummer with uh, Little Professor Richard? Longhair yeah. when he was 15 years old. He was from New Orleans, um, and at 15 he was playing with Professor Longhair. Then at 18 with Little Richard, which is... Uh, what a way to start your career. Is he not on all the first uh, original recordings? Yes, he is. And and we're playing The Girl Can't Help It. There's also a film of the same name with James Mansfield, and they're in the movie. So you can see Charles Connor in that film. Um, they're just so, so dynamic. And there was a... He was on... Charles Connor was on Twitter, and he posted a video that he found... Of him playing with Little Richard, the girl can't help it, at a gig in 1990. Oh, wow. Um, he wrote a, a memoir. Uh, yeah, he wrote a couple books, didn't he? Yeah, and he performed with several uh, awesome uh, groups and bands and individuals like James Brown and Sam Cooke. Um, he was a musician of the highest order, providing yeah. joy. Um, and a long-term Angelino. Apparently, a, a delightful person as mm-hmm. well, who who really liked to share his stories. Um, and you can imagine uh, being if, on the road with Little if, Richard in the fifties. Do you think anything happened, Jennifer? Since uh, one person called Little Richard a drug addict's drug addict and a pervert's pervert. <laughs> There's a reason why he's the quasar of rock and roll and not the boring potted plant of rock and roll. You know, no one ever calls Little Richard the. The, but you the, know the what? window box of rock and roll. Also, his band members loved him. Yeah, and uh, they did all of them in every version, including Charles the last Connor. version. He, yeah. he really uh, he was born in thirty five. Uh, his father was a merchant marine. His mom was born in Louisiana. He said he was born to be a drummer because of the exotic Creole and Dominican blood coursing nice. through my veins. Uh, he he seemed like a a genuinely beloved figure. Oh yeah, and a fixture here in Los Angeles. Uh, and uh, he worked at um, I'm forgetting which station. K Rock. K Rock. Here are some of the people, the other people he worked with: Jackie Wilson, yeah. the Coasters, Lloyd Price, hmm. Big Joe Turner, Champion Jack Dupree. Didn't uh, we just give Lloyd Price the longest? <laughs> yes, we did. Longest because he's so awesome and invented yeah. so much. Yeah. Lottie, Lottie, my name is Claudie. Exactly. His his daughter uh, called him a great father who was always positive and a person who never gave up on his dreams. He was beloved in L.A., for sure, as mm-hmm. a personality. Everybody knew him and, mm-hmm. and loved his stories. 
uh, not so groovy. Well, he had a long, full, awesome life, and um, they did reunite little, as you said, little Richard and him. And he gave him a very fulsome, as I recall, uh, yes. introduction when he introduced him. We haven't worked together in 30 years, and he was on all my records, and we toured together, and you know. And along with The Girl Can't Help It, uh, he's also in the film Don't Knock the Rock and Mr. Rock and Roll. Don't Knock the Rock is one of my favorite titles. <laughs> I believe Bill Haley might get top billing in that one. But Little Richard's in a lot of great rock and roll films. Fortunately, in the 50s, there were enough filmmakers that had the, the sense to... Uh, uh, put Little Richard and Fast Domino and everybody on pictures. Uh, well, I'm, I'm Frank uh, Ashley. Little Sorry. Richard and his band are so uh, screamingly dynamic, gorgeous, and oh, yeah. dynamic. Yeah. yeah. Well, that scene is unforgettable because that's the nightclub scene in The Girl Can't Help It, where he takes Tom Ewell takes Jane Mansfield's a big bombshell, and he's trying to pretend she's a secret talent that no one has heard of, and he's breaking her, and he takes her to the club where Little Richard's playing at this gorgeous spangly nightclub and walks her in and says go to the ladies lounge and take off your wrap or whatever so she, Jane Mansfield walks through the lounge <laughs> like bomb 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 right it's great and the manager does a cartoon take because Frank Dashlin used to direct Warner Brothers well, right, cartoons the colors he goes so, oh. yeah cartoony colors <laughs> yeah. everything is is, is the lady client of yours <laughs> <laughs> oh, the lady's a comedian, is she? And then what does he say? If you if you take her anywhere else, you're barred. Um, little Richard found him in Nashville and said, wow. you're coming to Macon with me yeah. to form the Upsetters. And well done. The Upsetters. The upsetters. And his Lee Scratch Perry's group? Yeah, the exactly. Yeah. So it's just, um, there's also um, YouTubes of him talking about his process, uh, which is awesome. He's credited with cre creating the sound on Good Golly Miss Molly. So, you mean wop, bop, aloo, bop, bop? Here, let's, <laughs> let's hear a little of that one just for a second. Since we're tied for third. Oh, we have all the time in the world for Little Richard and Charles Connor. And the underrated playing of Little Richard on this record. Mm -hmm. Is it this part that he claims to have? Um, I said, Richard, that sounds like eighth notes. And he said, well, if that's eighth notes, that's what I want you to play behind me on my fast tunes. Because uh, that will fill in a lot of space. <laughs> <laughs> I also nominate uh, the beginning of the song. is The whole song is propulsive, but... Uh, The opening line of Good Golly Miss Molly, You Sure Like to Ball, is, uh, I think, a pretty powerful <laughs> statement. Hard to top, hard to really get around. Well, and, and as we're the, the tied for third uh, podcast mentioning Little Richard, um, we've talked about Little Richard in New Orleans, and the fact that he someone from working at as a young teenager mm -hmm. with Professor Longhair. Yeah. And get, made him a drummer. everything. And put him in the band. Yeah. And they did all the original recordings with him. 
uh, yeah, no, it's all a series of astonishing and amazing and awesome coincidences. And the fact that the spirit in New Orleans in those days was, uh, what did he say? They took, they went across the street and he got up at the piano in the lunch place and played in the bar and played a good girl in the small or Tutti Frutti. And everybody went, well, you should put that on the record. Well, (laughs) since it seemed like you, you could end up at a dry cleaners and accidentally record a record because there were so many geniuses in, in a block and and Cosimo there to record everything. Well, that was, that he was at a store. Yeah. So there you go. Well, uh, Charles Connors, awesome and uh, lives forever. Uh, and oh my God, the roster of bands he played with. I think oh, the history of the rhythm best. and blues, yeah. Just fantastic. Uh, you may have noticed the Olympics uh, uh, sneaked in this week in between them. In, what can only be described as a series of commercials for <laughs> Uber and uh, uh, some really life giving corporations, letting us know how vital they are to us coming back uh, from this um, uh, devastating pandemic that we're ignoring so freely in the night. Uh, yeah, there's a, the, the ads are just amazing. Uh, they'll sometimes they'll share the screen with an ad, so it's like you're watching. Um, uh, you're in a taxi cab, and you're you're watching that little TV <laughs> yes. show that they show you in the yes. back of the cab. Uh, they've tried to diminish the Olympics to the point where it literally it has one third of the screen while we're showing a really boss ad for Toyota. Well, and when you're trying to watch a complex. Uh, athletic event having uh, the smallest amount of screen possible is advantageous. See, the thing about my TV, uh, I've always felt, Jennifer, is that it was too big of a screen. <laughs> really, what I want to reduce everything, especially with my the, my eyesight the way it is now, is uh, if I could have just about the size of a matchbook. Really, really have to focus on it, like uh, not an Apple Watch size, but more Dick Tracy. I don't know if you remember the two-way wristband that Dick Tracy wore. Aside from always focusing on only the American the lantern John white people who's finishing last um, is uh, of course we we don't get to see much of Tokyo much or the same shot of that terrible skyline that makes it look like nothing's happened there in a hundred years I have to be honest I was really enjoying watching the the men's cycling mm. event because mm. because they got the announcers got everything wrong because they even backtracked at one point. This was a long distance cycle, yes. not the BMX stuff. No, at, oh God, no. At one point, we got to see Mount Fuji. Right. And then, like, oh, you know. Sorry. And they kept saying they were going to ride up it. And it was yeah. like, we never got near no, Mount Fuji, no, really. No. no. And in fact, we, we only got to see it a couple times. And then it was back to a horrible purpose built stadium in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, that looked like an abandoned barracks. That we, they went back through twice. It oh, was yeah. like we yeah. didn't get enough of that the first time. And then the women's cycling, they they went across, they, they did a double back in the city in the in an industrial park. Yes. And then across. With harrowing hairpin turns, by the way, uh, during a race. Yes. But, hairpin but turns. But also a, a, around uh, some uh Industrial drums that were yeah. like it was like they were reenacting part of the movie Speed. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> Jack, Sa- Sa- Jack, don't slow the bike down. Don't let the bike go under thirty, Jack. <laughs> Sandra Bullock was trying to to get right? the bus around this this ridiculous turn. It was like yeah. who came up with that? And then they went across a, a bright blue carpet that was. Uh, sucking up the moisture. It was raining that right. day. Uh, raining there every day. There was a typhoon yeah. off the coast of Japan. If you thought that it was going to get any better, 
for this particular Olympics, what we're persisting in calling the 2020 Olympics, even though clearly we have moved on a bit. Yeah, no, it's still 2020 for me. I never, and then they say people competed in the Olympics five years ago, and I'm always like, as you said tonight, but it's 2020. <laughs> Surely we're not. No, there's been more rain in this than a, a Somerset Mom novel. It's just been, <laughs> the weather's been treacherous to this whole thing. That blue, shiny plastic track that looks like a slip and slide or something. And then the weird, sort of horrible, abandoned barracks-y thing that, get, uh, that, you know, oh my God, the war's been over 20 years. Uh, and, you know, they've never showed us Olympic Village as far as I know. No. And one can only imagine uh, how uh, delightful it is because... They have cardboard beds. They can't bring right. uh, their children, right? Uh, Allison yeah, Felix said hello made. to her baby tonight. Uh, that via uh, NBC, and isn't that sweet? Isn't that sweet? Because you don't want to make anyone comfortable or make well, it seem as though kids along. the <laughs> world is involved. Yeah. Uh, you Maybe you didn't hear the theme it. song "Imagine" because it says "Imagine there's no countries," <laughs> and uh, that's a, a imagine new theme. Imagine there's no fun. I, I love uh, the thought of "Imagine there's no countries." Yeah, there, I'm imagining there's no fun. I think that's what John Lennon is trying to tap out from <laughs> underground for us. I heard a distinct rapping uh, last night under the house where he was like, "Stop it!" Well, you know, with all of these constraints, uh, with with the protocol and the and the and the fact that they didn't make people get vaccinated and so there's yeah. there's a swimmer from america that wasn't yeah, wearing Andrews. a mask and he wasn't vaccinated and you know yay thanks for being there um within all that there's some profound uh people who are sharing their experiences and oh it's been fantastic the athletes first, are always great um there's laurel hubbard who is the first trans athlete to participate in the Olympics. Mm -hmm. Weightlifting. Right. She was in weightliftings, uh, weightlifting. I mean, um, there was uh, Rebecca Andrade from Brazil, uh, who's the first Brazilian gymnast to uh, earn a gold. She's from a favela. Right. I don't think they ever mentioned on TV. No. Because we don't get any backstories. We, In fact, in some of the events I've been complaining to you, we don't even get to see their... Uh, the entirety of all the competitors oh their oh, bodies no yeah. you don't get to like you, runners it's kind of important to see their legs mm. I'm not really understanding the mid shot thing that we're doing is, is it to just make sure that we only see American yeah. athletes there's very few long shots to show you all the competitors and they don't really bother There's the, the American bent is even more hilarious than my old jokes from the 90s are, are, are like you know, more I used to go, uh, in 15th, there was a young American boy. like that, But they still do that. We were watching the race tonight with the 800, and uh, the two Kenyans won it. And Connor, who they'd been hyping up before the race and even showed his family back in America, finished dead last. And then was laying there and, you know, sort right, of... Right, and, and Korak was uh, yeah. way ahead of everyone. Oh, yeah. And won, the, won it outright. Going away. But, I mean, that that narrative, they just never want to drop it. They're really, 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 really never going to drop it. And they really love when white blonde people are the champs more than they do anything else. Yeah. They don't want to say it, but they do. And hooray, well, they hooray. don't have to say it. It's fairly obvious. Oh. I mean, Since we were watching uh, Raven Saunders, who uh, she won the silver. 
and uh, in the hammer. Yeah, and oh my god! And you pointed out I I had missed her her first heat and uh, or, or her first event. I mean, and they weren't showing her from the waist down, and she maneuvers so uh, it, it's a ballet that she's doing. Oh yeah, and you need to see the whole. Uh, the totality of what she's doing out there is, is gives it an intensity that you weren't getting from the first couple rounds. No, I remember I, I showed you the first shot they showed of her uh, uh, throwing. Oh, it's shot put, wasn't it? Oh my shot god, I've got it wrong. I said yeah. hammer. Yeah. I meant shot put. She put the shot. Um, some people spin and some people hop, and she spins. And they showed it, and it was a close up of her holding the put under her chin so you really only saw her head and her chin and she spun around yeah. and then of course they showed the long shot next and she absolutely does this gigantic balletic twirl well, and also where her other legs counterbalancing and she lands on tiptoe and it's difficult because in many ways but they they have to the shot weighs a million pounds <laughs> but i mean they're confined to a their mm, feet mm. can't go out of bounds no. so showing their feet it would you'd think would be kind of important and the feet are delicate in shot putting as much brute force and strength and f- focus as you're using in it it's all uh someone said they were they were interviewing them during the office it's all legs it's yeah. all legs because you have to be able to get rid of the thing her community had a, a viewing party that was delightful. And if, uh, I mean, her story is, is Raven Sanders' story is uh, so amazing. She's 25, she's black, she's gay. And uh, she made a, a little political statement, according to the Olympics, by crossing her arms over her head yeah. in solidarity with Gwen Berry, who... Uh, is an athlete mm-hmm. activist who was slammed by the ride a couple of weeks ago and blah 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 yes Gwen, Gwen Berry's been awesome I didn't mean to say blah 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 but I yeah. mean she was a cause celeb because they took it up to say that she wasn't patriotic which is of course ridiculous um, Raven Sanders is just such a a, a beautiful advocate uh, for black mental health she says uh, shout out to all my black people shout out to all my lgbtq community community shout out to all my people dealing with mental health at the end of the day we understand it's bigger than us and it's bigger than the powers that be we understand that there's so many people that are looking up to us that are looking to see if we say something or if we speak up for them and just the other day she lost her mother yes who was her Subsequent big support so, I mean, this, this week, and that they were talking about it be, maybe being provocative that she was uh, making a gesture when she won is just, um, I, I hope that that's resolved in her favor because that's outrageous if, if that's some kind of... Oh, there's a rule. There's like a John Carlos, Tommy Smith rule that they put in because they don't want anyone... Taking any or being political. No, she's completely boss and flamboyant and outspoken. And the Hulk the, mask. The mask, yeah. It, it, the mask is super, hilarious. super great. No, and then she started to twerk. And, of course, they cut away because what? I just... I've, well, exactly. I've been baffled by all the coverage, That was really. so... so uh, who was the other athlete that was uh, the Jamaican uh, sprinter? That was dancing? Yeah, and they oh, yeah. cut away. Of course. But there's been a... It's, you, I get such a middle-aged white guy vibe that anytime anyone starts to dance, like, all right, enough of that nonsense. And you're like, well, this is the fun part that we came for? 
Um, also, the athletes are having a whale of a time, and yes. that's nice to see because they're cheated out of an audience because they had to go so early with this. What I love is that Raven Thunder said that she wanted to be me to not apologize and that she wanted to give light to people all around the world who are fighting and don't have the platform to speak up for themselves. I am a part of a lot of communities. God dang, she said. That's so awesome. Yeah, she's fantastic uh, champion. Uh, there's a whole bunch of firsts. I'm going to run through a couple if you don't mind. San Marino won a medal. San Marino has 34,000 people. <laughs> is, is it located in, is the, in Italy? It's completely it's southern, enveloped by another country. Europe. It's like a tiny little mountain area, right? Yeah. Um, it has 34,000 people. Uh, Wyoming has 580,000 people, to give you an idea. But, of course, it's much smaller. Anyway, they want a bronze. Oh, that's brutal. It, it's described uh, online as a micro state. Yeah, it's, it's, one, of those, it's one of those medieval places. <laughs> Here that's it still, is. It's, oh, it's, it's in Italy. Uh, that's so nice. Near Florence. Oh, well located. Um there's San Marino, Andorra, uh, Monaco, and Liechtenstein, is it? Or the four like medieval duchies that are like the Duchy of Fennec with Peter Sellers. The Philippines won a gold medal. Weightlifter Helian Diaz won the gold. Uh, it's been a, a hundred years participation. Um, she also set the Olympic record. <laughs> and my understanding, too, is when she went back, they bought her two homes, was it? Mm-hmm. In the Philippines. Uh, Turkmenistan won a medal. They'd never won a medal. Uh, Bermuda. Katie Ledecky, yeah, Bermuda. I saw that one. Uh, Sinisa Lee, of course, uh, from St. Paul, uh, has been unbelievable. Uh, and this, she's Sinisa Lee is uh, from the Hmong, Hmong community in St. Paul. Right, and so she's absolutely uh, the first Hmong to represent the U.S. And, the, and uh, she has a gold. She has a couple medals on this one, a gold. And a, then uh, Carissa Moore is a Hawaiian. And uh, she won the gold medal, the first gold medal for surfing. And she also, uh, when she was Wait, a Wait, didn't they invent it? Yes, but it <laughs> finally got in the Olympics this year as an Olympic sport. Mind you, uh, we were watching two-man canoe the other night, and I was having a little... I didn't quite understand some of the intricacies. There's some of the sports I'm still not convinced. I mean, the Greco ones, uh, not to my taste, some of them. I, I do love discus and whatnot. Anyway, Chris Moore was awesome through all of this. And then not only uh, was Raven Saunders there, but um, Alana Smith was a skateboarder who's non-binary mm -hmm. at the games. And then there's Quinn, who's mm -hmm. on the um, Canadian football team. And uh, Chelsea Wolf, the BMX rider, who's a trans athlete transgender athlete and she's on team usa and then oh, we mentioned huge. laurel hubbard before so it's really nice to see it finally happening uh, you know the definition that the olympic committee puts down is so specific regarding how much estrogen and testosterone people have it's a real wild measure i'm not quite sure that it's um, this is what the end all and be all of what gender measurement is, but Chris, it, it, I don't think there is. Yeah, one. no. Um, Chris Mosier, the founder of Trans Athlete, said about Laurel Hubbard's presence on the world's biggest stage will open another door for transgender people across the globe. It's she serves as an inspiration to every young athlete, wondering if they can continue to play sports and be their authentic selves. She's from, uh, Laurel is from New Zealand. Yes. And uh, what an inspiration she is. 
Oh my God! It's so important. Yeah, yeah. and everything is always so white dude centric. Uh, swimming seems to shake out that way time after time, even though Caleb Dressel is an awesome champion, and uh, you know, it, it happens a lot of times. That yeah, let's talk about Tamara Mensa Stock. The, the, I watched her wrestling win last night. And, um, she was so happy. Yeah. She said she couldn't stop crying. And um, afterward, because there, there are those beautiful moments, she is uh, the first U.S. black woman to win wrestling gold. And she celebrated with the Nigerian who came in second, who is the first Nigerian athlete to win an Olympic medal in wrestling. Yeah. And uh, she said... Uh, look at us representing. It's so freaking awesome. You're making history. I'm making history. We're making history. So it meant a lot. Well, her personality is uh, unbelievably exuberant. Right? She just lights the screen up when she does interviews, and she's got a magnificent mane going on. It's, uh, it's, yeah, she's a fabulous Olympic champion. We got really... Loads and loads of amazing athletes in this Olympics. Go ahead. Let's talk about Mutaz. And then there's been so much togetherness uh, that we've seen with athletes helping each other during right? races and picking each other up. And the two that walked than, yeah. with each other after after colliding. Um, but, but none of that fussing like there's been in years past where people fall and then people blame each other. It's this time it right? seemed like everybody just got on well, with the, it. The world has been through so much. Yeah. And these athletes have had to wait out a year. Mm-hmm. Even though it is it's still 2020. 2020. 2020. Welcome to the 2020 Tokyo Olympics, brought to you by Everything on Earth. In the, the high jump, uh, two, uh, one from Qatar, one from Italy, they were neck and neck. How high? Oh, my God. Really? When I say jump, <laughs> when I say high jump. And they were told that they could do it, they could go again, or... The, and one of them said, can we each have a gold medal? And the guy in the moment, which seems weird because there seems to be all sorts of rules about right. everything, including Raven Saunders holding her arms over her mm-hmm. head, uh, are not okay. But somehow these two guys deciding on the moment to share the gold was okay. And when I looked them right, up... instead of doing another tiebreaker. When I looked them up, they're actually... Uh, Mutaz Esabar and Jean-Marco Timberi... They decided to share the gold medal. Yes. And I thought, oh, well, you know, maybe they know each other from just this event. No, they're actually really good friends. And uh, Timbari uh, shared a story with a journalist about when he hurt himself in 2016 that Mutaz came to his room and wouldn't go, he said, wouldn't go away. First, I just wanted him to leave. He persisted. Um, We talked. I cried in front of him. He tried to calm me down and told me what he had to say. Don't try to rush it. You had a big injury. You're already back. No one expected that. But now you need to take your time, see what happens. And they work together. So the fact that they're sharing a gold, they've... Pretty gracious since uh, Mutaz is the, the reigning champ and <laughs> right? is the greatest high jumper and of our life. And he makes jumps with his cap on, yeah. with sunglasses yeah. he, he on. He walked over it the other day. I remember we saw yeah. the practice jump where he just walked it over It was the bar. pretty outrageous. Yeah. And yes, super gracious. He's the most superb high jumper of the last 20 years. So that is just an awesome story yeah, of, of the warmth and the 
well, Simone Biles, uh, yeah, being there to cheer on people on her team, mm. cheering on people from other countries. Yeah, um, I was thinking about it the other day. The the um, the immense control that she has to to understand um, what was going on with her to let people know to back out of those events where she has uh, different uh, not events what do you call it she, there are things named after her that other people oh, can't oh, even right, begin right. to conquer and she had the strength of character to know herself so well and moves right that that she just Went no, I'm not at the. I'm not there right now. I'm not doing this. Well, I think, she, I think she thought she was in physical danger when she couldn't see where she but, was. But in order to even know that, yeah, to know that and to just step away and then, but to also have the strength to be there to support her team and others. Unbelievable. And having stated before it's the whole thing, kind began, of singular. The reason she showed up was because she was the last one under the last regime that allowed the abuse. And she wanted to be that person yes. that represented that that happened, that it's it did huge. happen, that it's don't forget huge. it happened, that we're still dealing with what's going on, that it's gotten better, she said, but we have to be... She opened her own gym. Yeah. To, you know, she's done everything she could to make, you know, set their record straight and to improve the circumstances for women after her. Oh, absolutely. No, she's titanic. Well, I mean, you know, this the whole game is about Joe, her, I think, this time, you know, sorry. in a lot of ways. Because yeah. uh, we're finally letting athletes, uh, not uh, someone as perfect as her, with that impeccable record and poise, to be vulnerable. And then also to talk about the deepest, most horrible things that can happen to you. And to admit that you're not emotionally and physically up to something when you're... And you know how the pressure is with the media. They still won't let it go about well, how she should have done, make me more different or whatever. We were watching it last night and, and I felt like they poorly, the announcer poorly explained what the twisties were. It's a, it's a feeling that um, you, you're not aware of where your body is in the air. And because of what she's doing, that can mean grave personal injury. Right, you're going to land is, wrong. On no joke. Yeah. This is not just, oh, I'm not feeling like no. it or I'm not capable. This is, it's a physiological right. uh, feature that impairs your ability to, to complete it, the vault or the beam or whatever. And the fact that she competed yesterday is, is pretty amazing. Yeah. And then on the other hand, we have someone like Djokovic in tennis who threw his racket into the stands and threw another racket and scared the ball boy mm -hmm. behind him. He threw it at the net. It was one of the most win. horrible scenes in Olympic history. And the day before he'd gone out of his way to say what an unprofessional person he thought Biles was, he said something to the amount, uh, the nature of uh, 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 the pressure is part of the responsibility and all that. And he didn't handle it at all. He exploded when he lost. I he was absolutely the worst sport you've ever seen, as well as being an inconceivable sexist churl. And I'll go even further, kind of a dangerous anti-mask type guy. Well, I was going to say, I, I feel free in, in dissing him at, 
well, I didn't like him before, but he had a party where almost everyone got COVID. Yeah, including him. Yeah, so, you know, I, I just, I don't need uh, him and his Eric Clapton vibe. I was going to say, he's Claptoning my vibe hard <laughs> one. He's in a white room, definitely. <laughs> and no black curtains. Uh, but also, uh, he's, yeah, he's, he's, when there's so many groovy heroes in this, uh, the guys who shared the gold medal, all the women runners, uh, Elaine Thompson, the awesome name, hurrah, uh, <laughs> of Jamaica and Shelly and Frazier, who's just been, like, they're setting records and, and, uh, Sharika Jackson, they all three finished first in the, um, I mean, they finished one, two, three in the women's 100. Uh, and I don't know if that got enough play, quite frankly. Today I read it was because of their shoes and the track. Oh, give me a break. They're all the world records? And not because they're, they're phenomenal. They're the greatest runners that ever existed. The Jamaican women's team is, you know, they're... Um, also, Shelly-Ann Frazier is like a, one of the all-time greats. Yes. I don't think there's any yes. other way to kind of put that and under-sing it. Uh, Sydney McLaughlin beat... Um, uh, I'm going to get her... Dalila, right? Mm -hmm. Muhammad. Mm -hmm. uh, and Muhammad was the gold medal winner from 2016. And they're good mates, and uh, they trained together, and uh, uh, McLaughlin ran her down at the end. And that was a race that they'd hyped to death. And as you've been saying through this whole thing, all through the heats and all through the bicycle races and all the other sports, they've hyped um, American athletes to death, and then those athletes haven't won. <laughs> and uh, other athletes from other countries, Ecuador, would not have won. Uh, although we've been beating... The Dominicans like a drum lately. The last two days, what a very about bad day for Dominican Stefan Hassan, who tripped and fell with one lap to go in a preliminary heat of the women's fifteen hundred and got up and won. Yeah, that one. What was, about that was awesome. Now, what country is he from? Ten, these? she. Yeah, ten she. Sorry, women in front of her. Yeah, that race was astonishing. Yeah, she really kicked it on. She was dead bloody last. Had fallen and fell. I don't know. 12, a couple, 10 yards behind yeah. and just gunned it. Yeah. Yeah. That was an awesome race. Uh, that was, she, the Olympics have had a lot of really good moments. She runs for the Netherlands. The Netherlands. She's from Ethiopia, ah. but she's Dutch. And, uh, she was, uh, yeah, that race was really one to remember. A shocker. Uh, there's been a lot of groovy, uh, swimming stars and all that jazz. Uh, where's my phone? I seem to have misplaced it during the filming of the show. Oh, here it is. I just found it. Um, this is some riveting podcasting, ladies and gentlemen. I have a story here that I'd like to share with so really many not. of you. Yeah, no, it's really good. Um, uh, Lydia Jacoby is a, a swimmer, and she won a couple medals. She won a, a gold and a silver. And she came back um, to her home state, uh, she won the gold in the 100-meter breaststroke and the silver in the medley relay. But she's from, fantastically, Seward, Alaska. And why do you bring this up? Well, uh, we, I've been to Alaska a couple times. Mm. And I quite enjoyed it. As we discussed last time, we were in Fairbanks in the winter, and we went to the Winter Museum, and there was a sign, handwritten sign, that had been taped to the inside of the glass door of the Winter Museum, which has a big marquee that says Winter Museum. And the handwritten sign said, Museum closed for the season. <laughs> and I turned to the guys and I was like, I don't think you're allowed to do that. And by the way, it was so freezing that we were outside for five minutes and we went back into the sporting goods slash armory. armory. You, could have, you could have armed a total insurrection of the capital of Juneau from this one sporting goods store. 
They had pikes, you know, anything to fight a fish or a bull moose. And then well, every man. I was just going to say, are you going to ride a moose in? Oh, fully. And then uh, uh, every type of firearm and every type of um, knife and sword and club and whatnot. Just fantastic. Anyway, we were five minutes outside. We took a picture. We laughed. We went to the thing. And then I came back inside. We had to come back inside. We were waiting for a Uber, a Uber in Fairbanks uh, or a Lyft or whatever. I had to take my shoes off and rub my feet like a Jack London novel. Ugh. And a dog, uh, I had to, uh, it came around and they were barking because they could sense I was weakening. Really? And then, yeah, no, just really? at the edge, no, just at the edge of the street, I could see their was eyes. Was Jack London writing this down? I could see their eyes glowing and them licking their, you could hear them popping their mouths, that that terrible sound and the, the guttural noise that they make when they can sense it. So Morgan and, and Bob Durkach, the our musical director, tried to, carry me through the door because they could see the wolves were gathering but it was too late and it was too cold and the the lift showed up but it was too small to put me in as well and my legs had stiffened by that point so they left me outside um, they gave me a reindeer sausage and um, what appeared to be a, a fishing lure a send off of some sort yeah and a toke uh, made of ptarmigan and uh, and all t- it, ptarmigan has a PT but toke it just goes straight T Lydia Jacoby was going back to Seward. And I have no idea where Seward is. Is Seward near the Aleutians or something? It's named, I assume, for the Secretary of the Interior who purchased it from the Russians. How charming. And what did he pay them? Four million or something? It was real cheap. And uh, uh, Lincoln was the president, I believe, then. And they called it Seward's Folly, did they not? Lydia Jacoby is coming back to her hometown. And I wanted to read you, word for word if I may, because it's only two paragraphs, from the Anchorage Daily News, the ADN. Which is, by the way, my understanding, one of Alaska's papers of record. It's winner uh, of the Golden Kit Fox. and uh, It's actually a good paper. You know, I know it is. I'm being terribly provincial. But then again, this story is fantastically small town, and that's why I'm reading it. Here we are. Oh, my God. Look where, where is it? it is. Where is it? Where is it? What? Oh, my God. Oh, it is out there. Oh, I see. It's on the lower peninsula. The, the, oh, I see. Because Juno's over here, right? Some... Anchorage is there. Oh, there's Anchorage. It's across from Anchorage. Wow. I'm not trying to diminish Alaska. I really like Alaska. I love you the weed. You can't diminish Alaska. No, it's no, quite it's too large. big. It's too big. It, it absorbs you. But uh, there is an awesome small town quality to it, and especially the small towns. Uh, Seward, she will be in a parade this Thursday. I don't know if she'll come out by then. You, this might have passed. If you're in Seward and you're listening to this, I hope you already got the news. At 6 p.m. Thursday, and this is what I love about the paper, at the corner of 3rd Avenue and Van Buren. You know where that is. It's right over past the, <laughs> the Harker Place. You know, that's the post office. Right. Where the gas station used to be, the burned down. It's right there at 3rd and Van and then after weaving through the town in a parade, Jacoby will board a Can I Fjords tour boat at 7 p.m. and answer emailed questions via intercom. And this is my favorite part of the story. Her voice will be projected out to those standing along the water near the culvert at the Scheffler Creek Bridge. What? So if you gather at 7 after the parade... What if this alarms some people? They, there's been emailed they questions. They just wanted to go fishing. Right. They didn't do live questions. They've emailed her the questions. And she's going to read them as, as the article says via intercom. And her voice will be projected to those standing along the water comma near the culvert at Shuffler Creek Bridge. So if you want to hook <laughs> up at 7... And then that gives the email, and I'm going to give it. It's G N I P P. So it's Gnip at Kenefjords 
uh, dot com. And that's just so boss. And uh, by the way, uh, event organizers are encouraging people to wear masks during the festivities. Encouraging. You you don't want to endanger the animals there. Um, No, and you don't want want to give an elk some kind of uh, horrible cough. A a thing, Mo, is uh, a winner of the gold medal. Uh, Oh, yeah. I think Mo was fantastic. She's a middle distance runner. And what I loved... uh, off the back of your story of Seward, Alaska. <laughs> and I think Mo is, is from Trenton, New Jersey. Yes. And they were going to have a celebration for her. And she was kind of like, yeah, yeah, okay, good, you know. Right. Great people. She's also Trenton. a kid. Yeah, she is. She's, she's a teenager. 19 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, she's 19. Cold as Lee, that's going back to St. Paul. Ms. Lee is, uh, she gets a big uh, day. She, Doesn't she get St. Paul Day? I, I mean, it's St. Paul Day. She gets Ms. Lee Day. For, right. We've just missed uh, Sunisa Lee's day. Suni Lee. Mm. Um, I think she's also 19. She's 18. Wow. Oh, my goodness. I know. A lot of teenage stars, man. It's And awesome. also uh, five feet tall. They're so small. Which makes her a bit taller than Simone Biles. Oh, my God. They're so small. At 4'8". It's a come out, come out wherever you are. And see, you're being heightest, Greg. Wow. Right? I don't think I'm being heightest. I'm just taking you to height It's not like they've accomplished much. Oh, they beat my ass into the ground. I have nothing. I, I, who have nothing. Hey, what's coming up? I hear you ask. What kind of gigs are you guys doing? Well... Thank you for asking. First of all, there's this, and that's free every week. It's on gregproofs.com. It's also on uh, this uh, Omni FM, which is O-M-N-Y dot FM, and, of course, Apple.com, and everywhere that you find uh, great podcasts. Everyone always says that they're on. I think we're on all those. We're on Stitcher and Schoonback and Pig Dog and um, Wallaby Chew. I love and, Wallaby Chew. Right? What about Cracknack and uh, um, Snick Snack? We're on Tasmanian all of those. Tasmanian Devil. Oh, we're on Taz Devs. Um, we're on um, uh, uh, Wotscroat. What's it called? The one? Yeah. We're on a lot of them. <laughs> right? We're on uh, and Wombat Utter. Uh, let me just go through the gigs one at a bloody time here. Next week on Thurs- uh, Thursday... August 12th at 6 p.m. Eastern, that's 3 p.m. Pacific, me, Ryan Stiles, Colin Mockery, Congresswoman Stephanie Murphy, who's on the um, uh, 1-6 committee. You may have mm-hmm. heard her. She is part of Nancy Pelosi's team on the committee. Uh, former governor and gubernatorial candidate Charlie Crist and uh, agriculture minister for the state of Florida, which, as you know, Quite a big industry there. Yeah. Nikki Freed. She's the only Democrat in the entire bloody state that has a statewide office right now. Mm-hmm. And they're hurting, as you know. We have, we have lots of friends in Florida. We're going to be playing in Florida in December. We love Florida. And what we'd like is for the government to be better there and more responsible for the health and welfare of its citizens. It's really that simple. I wish it was less um, hygiene class, but that's what it is. When the governor is that kind of heedless... Um, sort of Nazi, uh, know-nothing, anti-scientist maniac. It's not funny or clever or anything like that. It's taxing the health system. It's killing the people of Florida. It's, it's, it's making America worse in a very huge way. Florida needs to be booming. What we like is a jumping-off point for all the fun, which is what Florida represents to everybody. That, that it's the gateway to the Caribbean and South America. It's also... Uh, you know, it's not my bag, but everybody else in the world wants to go there and hang out at Disney World and stuff like that. I mean, I've been. And, yes, I've had Mickey Mouse pancakes on my balcony. I- I've done this. Um, they're fun. I love Mickey Mouse pancakes. 
No, they don't have drugs in them. You're like, is this some sort of secret code? We're supposed to know, like, give me the in and out hashish burger off the secret menu or whatever. Uh, yeah, give me the Alpha Ta. Uh, Charlie Crist and Nikki Freed, who I'm sure are very happy for this turn if they're listening to this, and a Congresswoman Stephanie Murphy, uh, we're doing a benefit, and it's called um, Whose Governor Is DeSantis Anyway? It's on August 12th. It's me and Ryan and Colin from Who's Line, you guys. You can go to secure.actblue.com and it's donate Ron Begone Who's Line. Ron Begone, R-O-N, Begone Who's Line. It's a really worthy cause. Colin and Ryan and Dave Foley and Aisha and me did a real whopper fundraiser for John Ossoff and Reverend Warnock, who are both was, sitting in the Senate from Georgia. It was really wonderful. Yeah. Mm. We and raised, what a difference it makes to have them in the Senate. They were on the show, and they were really nice. So we got to talk to them. We got to riff with them. It was so much fun. They're both so intelligent and lo- such lovely humanist people, much like our Charlie Crist and our Nikki Freed uh, and our uh, Congresswoman right. Murphy. They're all really real people. Because they're Democrats and they're running up against this giant thing in Florida, they have to be even more... Uh, you well, know. we're lucky who's who's standing up. Yeah, there you are. For uh, what's right. So we, anyway, not to put too fine a point on it, we raised a bunch of bloody money. And um, it really helped, I think, uh, their campaign. They were, you know, Georgia's tough fought. And Florida's really tough fought. And so money really helps in this regard. So if you can jump in and do even $5 or whatever, you'll get to see them all. And you'll get to see us riff. And so it's comedy. And you'll get to hear... The two candidates who are going to stand against uh, Ron DeSantis for governor um, get to explain them, their positions and, and be themselves. And it's a really nice Zoom way to get to know candidates from other states. And Chris has been governor of Florida before. Florida goes back and forth like so many states. For 20 years ago, California was in a complete fet with uh, uh, having Schwarzenegger take over in that bizarre terrible recall coup and you know it was and the and the, and the government was it all was empowered by uh, fame no. you know that people actually voted for him because they knew his name oh it was and just nothing more completely base uh, or as i said a lot of states wanted a diplomat or uh, someone who's great at government we just wanted someone who's totally fucking awesome oh. um i don't know jennifer if you knew but um when he was in the Predator, he covered himself with mud so the Predator would not see him. Not a lot of governors would that think that is so clever. Not a lot of governors would think of that. I'm not. I'm not. Charlie sure. Crist would be a gleaming shell glistening on the Predator's yeah, shell. Yeah, there, there was there was a big news story uh, in the last couple of days about how the eviction moratorium has been extended. Well, uh, because funds were spread across the states, uh, apparently people didn't know that. Um, governors had the ability to extend the moratorium, mm-hmm. which Governor Newsom has already done. Yeah. He's he's gone above and beyond. I'm not sure why anyone would even think of recalling him. Oh, this is uh, complete nonsense. I mean, the ads they're showing on TV here are aligning it with the sedition and yeah. the coup. And that's exactly what it is. They're trying to get their way, even though the will of the it's people... It's a waste of money. It's a complete waste of money. He's And besides, even with the plague and everything that's happened, um, California has recovered some in the last few he's, weeks. He's a great governor. Well, uh, it's, it, I urge you guys, if you live in California, whatever differences you might have with our Gavin Newsom, please set them aside and vote for him. You're going to get a ballot in the mail. This is how we win. Everybody gets a ballot in the mail that's registered. So if you just mail your ballot back in, you will 
I think he wins. So, you know, I'm not making. There's no. It's way really important to vote. We in this get one. a better governor right now. You want a Republican governor in the middle of this? He's awesome. You saw what DeSantis is doing, what Greg Abbott's doing, what uh, uh, um, Um, Ricketts is doing, what Kirstie Nome's doing. Before we had Jerry Brown in California? No. Yeah. So I'm talking about we had Schwarzenegger. It was awful. Anyway, that's the 12th. So join us if you can. Uh, Act Blue, Ron Begon, Who's Line, Colin Mockley, Ryan Stiles. You've heard of them. They're really funny. Also, uh, how awesome is it that they're committed? I couldn't. Uh, be more proud Isn't of that cool? the guys in the show that I've been on for 30 years. That um, Weird that you would all know each other for such well, a long the, time. They're good, and... good hearts, as they say. Yeah. Uh, the Proofcast is live uh, Friday, August 13th. That's right. We look fade in the eye. Other people might eschew that date. To be honest, I didn't even <laughs> think about it uh, because I'm a heedless uh, warrior who strides manfully forward in the matter of um, in the manner of a samurai. I Where other people would quake to tread i will walk the ground that is shaking uh with tremors and bursting with steam and you'll see that on the night uh it's the smartest man in the world proof cast it's at five o'clock on friday the 13th the year listed here as you can see jennifer on my website is 2125 so in the year 2125 if man is still alive if Jennifer can survive, they may find Duca, 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 Duca in the year 25. Um, Zager and Evans. <laughs> then the greatest ending to any song. Now man has lived 10 million years. Man has cried a zillion tears, whatever. Through the twinkling of starlight, something, something. Man's, man, oh, man's reign is through. Something, something, bumming. Maybe it was only... Yesterday, what? It was a dream. This is the end of Dynasty. Uh, Live Proofcast, Friday, August 13th, with better songs. And yeah, we're going to do ZZ Top. Uh, 5 o'clock to 6.30, it says here. There's a VIP after. You can go is to... Is there uh, going to be orange uh, chicken? Yeah. Chinese orange chicken? For the VIP? No, for Billy Gibbons. I, I'm going to order. I have, if I've told, I don't think I've told this story on the show. You think I do. You think I have. You think I done did. <laughs> but I don't know that I done did. Have we? Did we tell it last week, strangely? And then uh, uh, a member of ZZ Top. You're getting the kitten ahead of the orange uh, chicken cart here. Well, not. Sorry. You know, There's no need to be sorry. There's. I find that apologizing over orange chicken of... is a fruitless. Yeah, it's all one Venn diagram <laughs> of chicken and beards. Uh, Ticket Taylor. I don't know why I'm giving you that one. TicketTaylor.com. GregProops.com. The link is there. It's also Nowhere Comedy. And then the Film Club comes back, uh, curated by Jennifer. Uh, she picked this first uh, picture. It's the August 24th. By the way, this is live, you guys. Live with us. Right? right? Live with me in a mask. Um, August 24th at 7 o'clock at the fantastic Los Feliz 3, which we just drove by and scouted the other day. It's in the literally... The bustling heart of Los Feliz. Right. It's, it's right next to Skylight Books where you had your book event. Right. We uh, had the smartest book in the world event at Skylight Very Books. Very cute tortoise cat lives there. Right. It's a wonderful bookstore. It's next to Skylight Books. And what's the coffee shop that's two doors down? Fred 62. Two. Uh, Figaro. And I, have a, I have a planned milkshakes and grilled cheese sandwiches afterward, uh, Fred. Anyway, Tuesday, August 24th at 7 p.m., we'll be at the Los Feliz 3. What are you showing, Greg? You're bearing the lead. Monsieur Hulot's Holiday, 
or here you pronounce it, this it's part, Les, Les Vacances de Monsieur Hulot. Les Vacances de it Monsieur Hulot. It is such a delightful film, and we love Jacques Tati. Jacques Tati is a French filmmaker who uh, specialized in making silent films uh, in the 50s mm -hmm. and early 60s, and it's really funny. Uh, why is it so funny? Michel Hulot is a resolutely middle-class French guy, and he goes to this summer camp where everyone's supposed to have fun, and they play tennis, and they boat, and all that jazz. And everybody there is a terrible snob. <laughs> and he's, uh, he muddles through and saves the day. And in the end, like any great comedy hero, he has a huge heart. But also, his physical comedy is like indescribable. He has his own style. Uh, very much like a silent comedian. There's, he walks, talks, and looks funny. At, well, he doesn't talk, does he? It's a silent film. There's a, there's a bit where he's, he's trying to get a, an animal fur off of his oh. shoe that just <laughs> makes me cry laughing. Yeah, and the tennis. Learning to play tennis is a... Mm. It's a wonderful picture. If you can come down. Otherwise, we'll put it back on uh, SoundCloud. Uh, we'll be back with the Greg Bruce Film Club. We're hoping to do one monthly there. Uh, AmericanCinematech.com AmericanCinematech.com Show up vaccinated Oh, don't Get come. vaccinated, everybody Please don't come if you're not vaccinated I don't want to see you And wear a mask, goddammit uh, This is Cal By the way, there'll probably be a mask ordinance by then or there, I think we're fixed We have one now, don't we? Or they're going to do one for theaters, I think Yes In Los Angeles, the two of the council people It's inevitable Yeah, I think we have to go with vaccination um, What you call it We have to demand that everybody require to get a vaccination And that everybody At a certain point Oh, it'll go state by state. What about my freedom? Yeah, yeah. when you were snorting ketamine off your friends, fucking. I can't stop getting vaccinated at this point. Right, I, I've I vaccinated myself this afternoon. When you were doing um, ketamine off your friend's rusty ass buck knife, I don't remember you complaining <laughs> about the ingredients of. And by the way, everyone in your family's got diabetes, and you, you know you've been spending off the government for years. You've got a blue pool in your yard. And you have chickens on your property, which means I could get avian flu from looking at you. And somehow it's the government you don't trust. I'm still trying to stand up comedy on the 27th. Uh, that's nowherecomedy.com. It's also in the year 2021-5. What's going on there? I never put a space in there. Friday, August 27th at 2020-15 at 5 o'clock. And I'll be doing stand-up comedy. The last one was hilarious, if I do say so myself. Then, <laughs> Whose Lines Going Back on the Road with Joel Murray, Jeff B. Davis, Ryan Stiles. No, not the man who wrote Teen Wolf, but the hilarious comedian, the comedian Jeff Davis. And then me, uh, we're starting on September 29th in Northampton, Mass. Then we're going to New Jersey almost right away, so I need everybody to cool it. Uh, October 1st, Montclair. October 2nd, Westbury, New York, which is kind of like New Jersey. And October 5th, Medford, Mass. And then October 6th, Boston, Mass. And then Jeff's birthday is in Portland, Maine. That's October 7th. So we're pretty excited about that. My birthday, is, I think, is in... I don't know where we're staying. Look, we have two days off there. Uh, maybe there'll be a gig or something. Otherwise, you'll find me wandering the streets of Westbury, just begging for release. Uh, October 29th, The Nightmare Before Christmas Live at Bank of California Stadium. But you guys, it's not Bank with a K. We're playing by rules that the Quebecers have introduced. This is the, these are the Henri Richard uh, rules. It, it's the Bank of, how would you pronounce that? The Bank of California Stadium, October 29th. I'll read you what the poster says so that I don't hype it too much. Jack is back, Danny Elfman too, and so are you. Well, I am. <laughs> I'm committed. Starring Danny Elfman, Jack Skellington, Friday, October 29th, Bank of California Stadium. Uh, conductor John Mauchery, music and lyrics by Danny Elfman, and then it says plus guest stars. 
and then costume contest and trick or treating. So that means they'll be that candy like they did it before. Well, it's so cute and everyone enjoys it so much. And there is a costume contest and it is really wild because this is Hollywood, you guys. So people who are wardrobes, yeah, people who are wardrobe artists, people who are costumers, people who do design for a living. One year, a a team of the dead reindeer won the costume contest. Do you remember how great they looked? And they looked like little Little skeletons. Yeah, they built it. Yeah. And then I've interviewed girls who look like Sally, uh, um, Oogie Boogie. Um, There was a guy with a camera head. The kids take it so seriously. The little kids are great. It's great. One year, uh, there was a kid dressed as Beetlejuice, and he couldn't have been five. And he had a wig on and the makeup, and he had a stripy suit. And this was 2015. He ran up to me and he goes, have I won yet? And I said, what are you, Trump? We have to have the election still. Um, uh, So the kids are fantastic. Uh, That's October 29th. Um, There might be another date. We'll let you know as soon as we do know that if there's another date at Bank of California Park. It's so worth seeing. Plus, you guys, we haven't done it in two years. The last time we did it was 2019. And we had so much fun. We did it in... Tokyo, Dublin, Glasgow, and London. Oh my God, I had so much. It was just the greatest year of my life. Anyway, uh, I'm going to just do some humble bragging there. Because I got to sing with a symphony orchestra and they play the movie and everything. It's really a fun show. Not that you shouldn't come and see Who's Live. Who's Live's really fun. Until you've seen Jeff Davis and I grind on each other during um, uh, Freeze Tag, or whatever they, I think they call it Options. I think I call it Freeze Tag. Anyway. Uh, then uh, let's see we got a proofcast I think I've covered everything that we're doing uh, I appear to have um, the artist Christian Boltansky is no longer with us and he's someone who uh, when when you connect so much with an artist's work and you, you remember the very first time that you saw mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about him the first time I saw an exhibit by him and it was so moving to me. I'll never forget it. There was a room that you could peer into. And it was a candle lit. Uh, it was figures moved by candle energy. Mm-hmm. And so you saw shadows on the walls. And you could you were limited by the window. You couldn't get any closer and just the the potency of this ephemeral image of uh, something that kind of uh, made you think of childhood those kind of European candles that you light at Mm -hmm. Christmas time it was like that was this a holocaust? well a lot of his work kind of relates to that his family were Jewish. Mm. His his parents were from Ukraine. He was born in Paris. But it was sort of more vast in that uh, the New York Times uh, obituary said, what interests him is not so much particular people, whether it be children he knew, people he encountered in photographs or images of himself, but rather the mechanics of memory. Mm. Um, his works are both meticulously ordered and claustrophobic. Um, he had works that explicitly reference the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. 
but a lot of his work was about our collective loss of of not treasuring each person of all the wrongs of all the uh i was interested to find out that he didn't go to school past a certain age he had a really unusual upbringing um he grew up on the Rue de Grenelle, which is near the Musée d'Orsay, mm-hmm. and was self-taught. But, I mean, we can say that about Joseph Cornell as well, and that's always used as sort of a dismissive kind of thing. He, he's, his work is so thoughtful and so intellectual and conceptual um, and large. Some of his pieces uh, in this Guardian article... Yeah, I was like, is that a warehouse? Said, uh was it even able to be, you know, taken in because it was so vast? Yeah. There, there were so many... Uh, well, look at that one. Is that shoes or clothes? Clothes. And there's an intensity to the sheer scale, mm. obviously. But but also there there's this beauty, like these pieces, where, where there's... Photos, the sort of out of focus photos. They look like they're from the 30s and mm-hmm. 40s. Again, it's evocative of this is called the Reserve of Dead Swiss mm-hmm. from 1990. It's always an evocation of the horror that his family experienced, and uh, there. But there's also this kind of. I I felt in. Uh, I remember seeing a. a an installation in London, the beauty of remembrance, mm-hmm. right? We go back to memory. And like, the importance. Uh, well, absolutely. But I mean, there was, it, I didn't feel uh, like I wanted to leave or that it was too much. It was the way he handled that topic. It was more, um, I don't want to say, Tolerable. What it, it was more, you were more able to spend time with mm-hmm. it and uh, take it in and feel the resonance of all those uh, souls lost. Mm. And I, I can't think of anything more uh, essential, right, for an artist to accomplish. Yeah. I didn't know until I was reading about him recently that his. He's always been someone that if, if, if he was doing a piece, I had to go see. That that was uh, absolutely. But I didn't know until recently that his significant other was Annette Messager, who is another uh, conceptual artist whose work I remember uh, the very first time I saw it. Mm-hmm. I saw her work at Whitechapel in London. And so, you know... The fact that they were together is is amazing. The two artists working at that level. It, I, I love that line. He re- remained resolutely optimistic. Mm. You know his his work is. Uh, if you have a chance, you must see it and experience it, because I think it has. Uh, it it. It changes you. Well, there's one at the Tate. He has a bunch of mm-hmm. uh, everywhere here. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it just uh, his his work is is beyond a certain 
time, but also obviously always reflect, reflecting uh, particularly the Holocaust. Mm. His middle name was Liberté. And uh, his father was a doctor. His mother was a writer. His mother was Roman Catholic, and his father was uh, descended from Ukrainian Jews. Do so I see that it says his name's Liberté because they liberated Paris a couple weeks before he was born? Yes. Wow. Yes. So uh, he said, at the beginning of the life of an artist, this is in the New York Times, uh, there is often a trauma, and for me the trauma was hearing always that everything was very dangerous. Hmm. But his his work is uh, there. There's a um, a depth and uh, an honesty to he he tried to create this these big heavy pieces, um, but they resonate, which I is. The definition of a successful artist. We you spell his last name so everybody can it's jig on him? B-O-L-T-A-N-S-K-I. Botansky. Christian Boltansky. And his wife was Annette Messager, who is still with us. And uh, her work is, is also, you must check it out. Uh, can I read the last yes. two lines from this New York Times article? In 2017, Mr. Boltamski created an installation in a remote part of Patagonia in South America that included some large horns that when the wind blew through them, they'd create the sound of whale calls. Maybe in a hundred years, my name will be forgotten, he told Wallpaper Magazine in 2018. But someone will say, there was a man came here and talked to whales. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Amidst all of this, he had a sense of whimsy. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes it sing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The, 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 the poetry is, is, is found, as you say, in, in, the, in the being with it and the, the immensity sometimes of the message. Well, having to walk around and, and it reminded me, the looking in the room uh, had echoes of Marcel Duchamp. Mm. But, but to see, I mean, my family, we always had the, the Christmas ornaments propelled by candles, oh, right, which is right. a very middle European yeah. thing to have. And for him to do that and this kind of, to create people's shadows on the wall. Mm. I mean, it was all, it's also thoughtful. Yeah. What's here and what isn't, what yes. was and what wasn't. Yes. And what, what is and what is, uh, my, we didn't have ornaments when I was little. My parents would just beat me ceaselessly from uh, November 3rd until uh, January 6th, the end of the 12 days of Christmas. That's, that's charming. Variety of implements. And... No, I wasn't. Uh... Yeah, Botansky's an amazing artist. And uh, we'll be swirling off. I'm certain the heavens, uh, well, I think if you look in the sky... He's having people gather asteroids and put them in an enormous ring. <laughs> uh, what about this uh, Charlie Watts that I hear of, Jennifer? Well, I, I was shocked to read that uh, Charlie Watts, the, of course, the drummer from the Rolling Stones, today was announced 
was unlikely to join the group's tour. So, of course, first of all, they're they're like a mighty dinosaur that uh, rotates with uh, with the Earth's axis. That there is no yes. Um, In the original Pangaea, when there was one continent, the stones were there. Right. There's no stopping them. There there was a Diplodocus. Right. And then there was Keith Richards. They were found at the bottom of tar pit. It didn't deter them in any way. The idea that one of the essentials is not going to be there, uh, I believe, years not that long ago, maybe five years ago, Keith Richards said, without Charlie Watts, there is no Rolling Stones. Yeah. So for him not to be able, he had some kind of... They said that they had uh, checkups before the tour, and that he didn't pass, that he had to have some kind of uh, uh, procedure, and that he's fine now. But we don't know what the procedure is. But what I want to ask is, so Keith Richard he got a check passed, passed the check Right? What did he do? Did they put him through a car wash or something? <laughs> and just sort of x-rayed him from outside the car? What if you really did take his temperature and tap on his chest and stuff, and look at a scan? Yeah. It can't be I, good. I, I, I just, you know, Carlsbad my, Caverns. Uh, there's creatures living in there. It's like they, the Flintstones. Right. There, there's, you know, something is powering his heart. There's, right, there's a dinosaur in there. It's yeah, a living. Right. Uh, no, th- this isn't happening. Um, How did Keith pass his physical? He, but then the Stones pay for his insurance, so he is off the hook for anything. He just gets to be in the band. The, yeah, the doctor just phoned him and said, can you say hello? Right. Yeah, who am I? It's great. Right, okay. The, yeah, she passed. The, you remember what was it, five, six years ago on tour, he fell and broke a rib because he was running around on stage? Well, you know, since he's fell out of the tree in Fiji. Yeah. There, there's been... So, I don't think there's but a lot Char- of Charlie Watts. There, there's been a period of time where Charlie Watts has gotten the biggest hand oh, at yeah. the live shows. And then in Las Vegas, we got to be quite close yeah. to them. And... He was, you know, awesomely, because he's Charlie Watts, he's overdressed for a Stones concert. He was wearing what I think was a John Smedley... Mm-hmm. Uh, polo neck. Like a, yeah, polo neck. Uh, wool sweater. Yeah. Wool sweater. Short sleeves. To, to drum in, in and Las and Vegas, hours, yeah. and he wasn't sweating. Yeah. And when we got close up, I was like, oh my God, his posture mm-hmm. is perfect. And his guns. He, right. He is fit. This man... Yeah is not bothered. He's not sweating. He's not even sweating when Ron Wood was doing disco guns, <laughs> which was just you yeah. know horribly embarrassing. Charlie Watts has maintained his composure through this entirety of his career. Right. He's had to watch Mick Jagger's butt for One of 50, my, 60 years now. Right. He's had to, you know, and he always does that, like, in some of the videos, he's yeah. just looking like, I can barely... Yeah. You know, I'm thinking about some jazz that I'd like to play right. later when right. I'm at home, there's a, there's away a, from you. There's a meal when I'm at home this. with Shirley, yeah. and we're not having to listen. I to I can this. watch the Civil War documentary when this is over, <laughs> right? And one of my favorite Charlie Watt stories is uh, I can't remember which tour it was. They're all at a hotel, and uh, I hope this is the one. I think it is. Yes, and uh, Mick Jagger referred to him as his drummer. And supposedly Charlie Watts went upstairs to his room, got dressed in his suit, one of his millions of suits, from his uh, 
custom-made suitcases. Louis Vuitton trunks that he keeps his Savile Row suits in. Yeah, I love that. His bespoke suit. So he, he goes upstairs, he puts on his, his bespoke suit, and goes downstairs and... Knocks on the door. Conf- right, knocks on the door, confronts Mick, and says, you're, I'm not your drummer, you're my singer, and knocks him out. Yeah, awesome. It's just... And he never diminished him again after that, as the, as the story goes. Because you can't imagine Charlie Watts ever raising his voice. That's not oh, going to no, happen. No. I'm not your drummer. You're my fucking singer. Yeah. Clunch. And, and by the way, always looked uh, impeccably stylish. Hmm? In every era. He's even even in the that, embarrassing eras. He didn't wear a Jets jersey. On the record, uh, uh, Black and blue. Black and blue. Where's his he's head shaved? He's wearing a suit. Yeah. And he has his head he's shaved. He's already, down. like, you know, you guys. But he's not wearing long hair anymore. You're trying and it's to the, look kind young. of the punk era. And he yeah. has the grooviest look on that album cover. Yeah, he does. Well, no, it's not the punk era. It's 75, is it? 76? It is. Yeah. But he went head shaved. Here, let's hear him play on Sympathy for the Devil. Yes. Charlie's always the best dressed. He really is. And the boredest, I think, of all of them. <laughs> I think having to sit through all of it, he's like, okay. By the way, even though he's taking time off, he says, I'm fully fit. Wow. Wow. So don't even question. I have no idea what's going on. They're probably going out next year. God oh, yeah, only knows. They, well, they already booked this tour, I think, and I think they all had to make a deal It's going to be Steve Jordan, by yeah, the way. Yeah. Who's awesome. Filling in, who is uh, uh, chosen by Charlie Watts. Where did you see? Uh, Steve, you saw Steve Jordan with the expensive winos, did, did you not? Once upon a time. Keith Richard and the expensive Was that the first winos? album, second album, the, the solo? The first. Right. I saw them in Oakland. And did Ron Wood play with them, too? No. That was the New Barbarians. That was a... Uh, I'm taking you way back. Right. Wasn't Keith in the New Barbarians? Yes, I saw them too. Wow. You don't care to I, expound on this I, at all? Yeah, I'm not saying I'm addicted to this. Wow. Okay. All right. Each time I say, no, no, I can't possibly. Go see Keith and... And then I do. Was Charlie wasn't in the New Barbarians, was he? No, he was not. But Steve Jordan was the drummer in Keith's band. All right. Okay. Just trying to get some stories here. This is Charlie doing all the drums. Awesome. Zorno. Awesome. Uh, Charlie Watts uh, won't be going on the tour, although we've seen him a bunch of times. And I remember once we saw them in uh, in Wembley, we had really good seats for that one because I was doing a, show, a radio show and we got, God, I think we got like BBC seats. I know that we were sitting near Elle McPherson, so you know the seats are pretty good. And uh, <laughs> We were sitting in front of Richard E. Grant. That's right. Uh, it was, and it was at Wembley Stadium that was at the football park. 
And uh, Mick introduced everybody, and I've told this one before, but then at the end he went, and Charlie Watts. And Charlie Watts stood up and got a 10-minute standing of that. Yeah, he did. No one else Charlie got Watts, anywhere. Charlie Watts, by the way, from London. Right. Got nowhere else, got anywhere near. And then Mick Jagger fantastically went, and I'm Mick Jagger, and there was nothing. <laughs> and I said, so, whoa, okay, well, that's how that works. It was just great. Uh, ZZ Top's bass player, Dusty Hill, appears to have transmogrified and is walking on. Yes, I saw ZZ Top. It was in college. Um, which, which album was it, Greg? Thank you for asking. Was it the one where there were Buffalo on stage and Steers? Was it the Jenna Elfman period? Uh, was it that she's got legs and she's unacquainted with their use? Uh, no, it was none of those. It was the rhinestones, shades, and cheap sunglasses. I'm guessing 79 or 80, we took a trip from the dormitories that I was living in. And I want to say we went in a van. Did the, you see Buffalo on stage? Yeah, they had livestock on stage no, at one no, point in their not career. Real yeah, Buffalo. no, ZZ Ties Top pioneered several things. Unspeakable facial hair, um, three men moving in one motion to give you the okay sign, and throwing car keys at unwitting doofs who later were harassed and doxxed by hot chicks wearing a dazzling variety of 80s fashions, sometimes red and off the shoulder, sometimes leather pants. And then uh, there was a lot of this in a lot of their songs. It was the kind of the, the weird uh, noise. And um, yeah, uh, in any case, uh, Dusty Hill. Uh, was one of the members of ZZ Top. No one knows why their name. I don't think that was ever explained. To be honest, they were blues musicians in Texas, and they started as teenagers and played with Lightning Hopkins and whatnot. And uh, uh, That speaks to the, in their favor. Yeah, well, they're a bluesy band. All their solos are bluesy. In any case, uh, when I saw them, uh, I remember we were all excited, and we thought they were going to really like lay down definitive versions of some of their numbers. And uh, my recollection is that it was... Uh, uh, sort of a, an endless medley of all their stuff and they just kind of did it and um, my guess is too I think that uh, several of them went into rehab sort of right around that <laughs> uh, that they were quite high on stage for a long time which I don't hold against them at all but um, I've seen a million rock and roll bands and sometimes those indoor arena I want to say it was at the Cow Palace or something like that one of those really bad you know like you saw whatchamacallit I never made it to the Cow Palace right and I he, feel you did not thankful. Oh, you, oh, it was I saw everything from the Grand National Rodeo to Kiss I passed out at I believe I passed out at uh, oh no that was Winterland um, wow. in any case uh, I didn't pass out ZZ Top but I was bored shitless and I remember when they did cheap sunglasses everyone put on a pair of sunglasses and I remember thinking I'm not, it's not that clever no. um, however having said that uh, they're certainly a propulsive band and quite loud uh, and Jennifer and I did share a fine ZZ Top story. Let me just play the little of this one because Dusty Hill has one major legacy, and that's that he wrote this song at a sound check. And it's <laughs> and too that the, the cheerleaders of San Carlos High School did a routine to it when I was a junior. Yeah. Wow. And the, the pom with the pom poms and everything. Here we go. <laughs> with the Yiddish. Yeah. 
They were, the original words were, Lord, take me downtown. I'm looking for some tukas. And then they quashed that and they went with the universal. I think there was a discussion in the Zed's top organization and Zed said to top, um, I feel that the term tush as used uh, for um, vernacular for the female posterior is something that will live through the ages and that people 50 years from now, which indeed the song <laughs> I believe is graduated to its... It's all about the riff. Gold. Yeah, it's pretty relentless. Let's just hear a little of Billy. Oh, the blues. Rock writers used to say things like, the little old band from Texas in the 70s and stuff, because there was three of them, but they were quite loud. Uh, I didn't mean to say that I was bored shitless, but I kind of was. My recollection of the concert was I was kind of high, and then they didn't do definitive versions. They Like I've, you know, like Chuck Berry, you, some artists really... A bit really, reductive. Well, like you see Little Richard, I think Little Richard really threw down as hard as he could for every number, unless he was wildly too high. But I mean... Some acts do and some acts don't, and I didn't get the my recollection of ZZ Top. I'd love to say that Surely it was not. the most dynamic concert I've ever seen, and that they really slugged it to you. But I've seen a million other bands. But what about when we saw Billy Gibbons at the grocery store? Billy Gibbons uh, is the guitar player, and I think he originated the facial hair thing. Screwed our fancy supermarket that's Beverly Hill adjacent, and. Uh, all of a sudden, a thin man appears, and he's wearing... Not just thin. Oh, stick rock star thin. Tiny. Uh, skeletal thin. And uh, uh, like... Uh, the beard was larger than him. Yeah, giant beard. The weird uh, scrungly hat, the one that looks like a kind of beetle head uh, that has little cheapies on it. Uh, little dingle dairies. And uh, that hat, the little spongy one. Uh, a jacket that said like... A, t -sh a shirt that said dose... Or no, it was a, 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 a rock and roll jacket, Eisenhower shorty jacket mm -hmm. with a belt in the back mm -hmm. that said like dose, dose knives, tequila or something. I don't remember. There was like a logo on it. And then groovy rock and roll pants, like pleated like black slacks. I'm a cool daddy -o. And uh, two well, tone rock and roll creepers. Right. Ow. It was, what were you? Okay? I just kicked, yeah, no, I just, um, at the side of Billy Gibbons, <laughs> two tone rock and roll creepers, I lost my, oh, and sunglasses. It was like, you know, okay, you're an emaciated uh, guitarist. You live in the hills. Mm -hmm. You've got to go down to the grocery store. What are you going to just throw on to wear? Well, right. He, he was dressed as if he was going to accept an award. Like, he was literally dressed like they were in the... Which, by the way, Keith inducted them into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And we watched it recently, and Keith... Complete. Barely can get yes. to the induction. It's like, is, are you doing a character yeah. of Keith Richard? What's happening? It, it's at the Johnny Deppian level of coherence. It is completely <laughs> off the rails. He never gets near introducing them. When he does, he's kind of diminishing about There's a the lot whole of, thing. Uh, uh. Yeah, and like I think we're supposed to think. Of, I mean, I'm sure they were thrilled. Yeah. I hope they were. Uh, <laughs> in any case, what would Billy Gibbons eat? So we were at the butcher counter. Uh, <laughs> As uh, Johnny Guitar Watson said, I was in the baloney section. And um, uh, we were at the... You're not going to believe this, but the other day I woke up... Singing Johnny Guitar Watson. Yes. Ain't that a bitch? Yes. Yeah, too cold. I, and I just thought, what? What is Shows happening? In on. my dreams yeah. that I, I woke up singing Johnny Guitar Watson. Come here, guitar. Beep, beep. 
yeah, I love Johnny Guitar Walks. And, yeah. And um, you've got a thing for me. Uh, and then brilliant lines that are so offensive now. Even the blind could see. What? Um, the uh, He's dressed as a rock star. The guy behind the counter goes, Billy, what are you up to? And he goes, no good. Yeah, and yes, then he said, no yeah, good. no good. And then he went, And also he's how, not how? ordering anything. No. He's standing in front of the butcher counter. Yeah. He is not ordering anything. He, he just went to spritz at the butcher counter. Right. He's, he's just chatting. We're standing there. There's no one else there. Well, no. It was one of those weird moments. Uh, and Horribly, he, he could see that I clocked him. Well, he, I know. Everyone did. No, but there's no one else there. He also so looks like ZZ Top. No one was, you know, he yeah. wasn't afraid. No. He gets a case of La Croix water. Mm-hmm. La Croix water. Fizzy La Croix water. But by the butcher counter, right. he, he obviously knows his way in and out of that yeah. grocery store. Yeah. And of Gourmando Diaz. Right, and he's chatting with, Ricardo with the guy, and, and then he moves on, and the guy says to us, you know who that is, right? Yeah. And we're like, yeah. How, 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 how? And then what else? Well, everything. He didn't just buy a case of LaCroix water. And this is all he had in the cart, by the way. He had no grocery cart. He bought what appeared to be, they have one of those Chinese buffets in the store, which they put back even though that we had the plague and they took them out. Now they put them back, although because we suddenly touching other people's filth is... Well, because pe- Billy Gibbons needs to eat. Well, that was... Right, he had to go back to eat again. Not, but this was, this was in the pre-days. Yeah, he, he went to the Chinese um, hot counter and came with what appeared to be a half gallon, a couple of quarts <laughs> of orange chicken. <laughs> so he had nothing but orange chicken. Right, he didn't have broccoli. And La Croix water. There was no broccoli beef. There that was, was no it. chow mein. There was no there were, there was, there were fried no, rice. There were no, like, you know, vegetable. Uh, things you might need around the house. No. There was literally no just fork, no, no tissues. Chinese orange chicken. Yeah. No six pack. La Croix no. water. We which assume, I guess is what he exists on. Yeah. I did hear an awesome story uh, on a show I was working on where they showed up on a set of another show that this person was working on and took them out for a day of drinking and drugs, which is, was just a delightful tale, I have well, to say. Well, also, she was a crew person. Oh, yeah. No, we're not a and star. She, and she said she had a good time. No, she said they were awesome. And that, like, they pulled up in the limo and were like, come on. And then, what? Now, that's the ZZ Top <laughs> video they should have well, It's the ZZ Top experience made. I wanted to have. Right? Yeah, yeah, where they're like, hey, how about this? And you're like, what? And then, yeah. And then cut to you. <laughs> they probably never listened to anything no. resembling their own. Uh, dusty Hill is so dusty. Uh, what do we... Yes, please. Let's go to that and then let's say goodnight. We've already told you all the gigs were going on. The 12th is the political one. Come to gregproofs.com. And then the 13th, Friday the 13th, is the live proof cast. So jump, jump, jump to it, as they say. Um, and let's get to that one, Jennifer. Yes, please. Um, Johnny Ventura, the king of Dominican merengue, swirled away at 81. And he was so delightful. He was known as El Caballo Mejor, the great horse. <laughs> right? It, he modernized merengue, the Dominican style of music and dance. Awesome. Which is just the country's Ministry of Culture posted about the star's death. We join in the pain that overwhelms his family in these difficult times. His legacy will live forever in his songs and Dominican culture. He was a singer, a songwriter, a band leader, and a ranger, uh, a Latin Grammy award winning artist. 
He had a Lifetime Achievement Award. He was just, he was named King of New York's Dominican Day Parade uh, alongside Major League Baseball player Pedro Martinez. Yeah. Uh, you know, he was just that important to the Dominican uh, people uh, here in the States. He was just uh, a beautiful person. He was the mayor. He also became trustee or mayor of Santo Domingo. Uh, he was married for 50 years. The Dominican C Congress in 2020 awarded him Merenguero del Siglo, the merengue performer of the century. That's so awesome right? to be mayor of the capital and the greatest merengue performer of all time. <laughs> Johnny Ventura is making everyone dance. Right? In the pink and perfect world that we're going to. You've been the smartest crowd in the world. I've been the smartest man in the world. Jennifer's been the smartest woman in the world. May every bell that rings be a cool papa bell. May every page that turns be a satchel page. And if you have to buy bonds, make sure they're berry bonds. We wish you nothing but love. Merengue. Merengue.